Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Um, before we start the podcast, please, um, well, not please, if you'd like to get involved with the community that I have run, started running on Discord, um, it's really interesting. Things are growing over there. People talking. Uh, we discuss everything about the podcast to new things that I'm releasing, new music, exclusive things, um, exclusive. We, we're about to, or we release some food shows on there. Um, by the time this comes out so yeah uh, the link is in the description go get involved if you are interested and also if you want to hear any new artists coming on the podcast if you want to suggest anything let me know in the discord under the podcast section and we can get things moving so podcast time Sian, um very good friend of mine i have worked with him for many years um he is the owner of Octopus Recordings, and it's kind of an iconic label in the indie dance techno scene. Um, he is obviously an amazing DJ, an amazing producer, and one of the nicest guys in the industry. I really like sitting down and having conversations with him. I feel like we always see eye to eye and try and work things out in this industry. Um, when we're like off mic and it was just really interesting to get this conversation on mic. So without further ado, Sian. Mr. Sian, what's cooking, man? You're alive. How are you? How are you? Long I'm, time. I'm good. Yeah. It's been fucking ages since I've seen you. When was the last time I saw you? I, when was it? I think it was 2021. 20 years ago. Literally. 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> I feel like it's been that long. Um, I think it was 2021. Probably. Two years, man. Fuck. It's a long time. Well, now you're in Vegas, which we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got out of the yeah, hellhole so of LA. Exactly. LA is feeling a little crazy lately. Yeah. I mean, I know you and I have talked about this and a lot of our creative friends are moving too. Yeah. But LA just feels like it's a brain drain. Like yeah. a lot of cool people are moving out of there. Obviously, the crime and the homeless situation is just out of control. Yeah. And it got to a point where, you know, everyone I know has had a few incidents. But when it's right on your doorstep, you're like, I don't want to pay yeah. this much money for living in this kind of a place. Yeah. You know? That's the thing that I really struggle with, like, with LA is like, I love playing there. And honestly, when I'm there, I get a lot of work done. I When I go to LA, it's just like work. And it's like strict, like, okay, yeah. I'm going to get this, 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 this done. I'm going to meet this, this, this person and just like get shit done. But yeah, fuck me. It's a hard city to live in now. Yeah, man. Yeah. It feels really sketchy. And mm. uh, obviously with, you know, the economic stuff on the horizon, um, a lot of, people are resorting to crazy things. I mean, yeah. I could tell you stories all day about things that have happened to me or my friends mm. over the last few months. And 
that was it for me. It was just like a few things happened and I was like, that's it. This is so sketchy. And this is like, I'm talking about living in a nice area yeah. and paying quite a bit for rent that just does, you know, you've just got like homeless people and chaos on your doorstep. It's just really sad as so well. That was it. For me, it's like just really sad. Yeah, to and see. I love LA. Mm. Yeah, I I struggle with the like the fact that there's we're completely helpless in as mm -hmm. a society. It's like how how seeing these people be in these situations to be in homeless in a world in a not just a country but in a city that earns so much money through taxes and everything like that, and yet it still can't help the people in it. And it just there's just something that's very like barbaric about it. I really struggle with it. Yeah, man, it wears you down when you see it each day. You know, you're driving through West Hollywood or Beverly Hills, and there's like literally people with bags of designer shit stepping over someone, like having a seizure on the pavement, and just like it just doesn't add up. Yeah, it's the fourth richest economy in the world yeah. that's including countries yeah. like switzerland and shit and they can't do anything mm. to help it's just like it, in the last year it's got out of control in la but i mean i love california so much it's mm. you know it was always somewhere wanna where i wanted to live but then it just became this kind of apocalyptic hell in every area so yeah crime is out of control there right now yeah i just i was just in new york and um a lot of people like I've, I've heard a lot of podcasts talk about it where like they're saying new york's kind of gone out of control as well but in comparison mm -hmm. new york's just new york's not it feels feels like kind of the normal new york again apart from it's just got extremely expensive but everywhere's got expensive the whole world's mm -hmm. got expensive so i don't i don't know what that yeah. is but yeah, and in comparison, New York's a, on the homeless front is nothing in comparison to LA. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Other states dump all their homeless people in California. Yeah. Because if you ask someone who can't afford their mental health care or has a drug problem, where do you want to go? There's like, well, yeah. you know, I can get free food and live on the street in California in the nice weather. I can go yeah. and live on the beach in Venice. But you know, New York in the winter is brutal. Yeah. So California is where all the homeless people from America come. And that's what we as like LA residents have to deal with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a lot. It is a lot. Yep. Well, yeah. you're now in Vegas. Yeah. man. Yeah. It's one of those weird places where I always wanted to live for a little while. Like since I was a kid, I always, I mean, I'm, kind of into that Americana, like mm. old school yeah. vibe. So coming here also, it's so weird in terms of music. I feel like obviously there's a lot of commercial music going on here, yeah. but there is also opportunities to provide the locals with a lot of cool stuff. You know, there's a giant industry here mm. for entertainment and like bars, restaurants, clubs. And all the people working them are pretty clued in to good music and they go to different cities and things like Burning Man yeah. for good music, but they don't have anything locally really that's like, you know, apart from the Alation guys and all those like Holy House and all those guys are doing great things. But I feel like a weekly party here would be pretty cool. Um, 
for good music like there's not really indie dance and techno and stuff like that you know yeah i think it's a really interesting thing because so, yeah i think a lot of people look at vegas as a place where it's just a you just visit and you leave but then forget that there's a whole city of people who grew up in vegas live in vegas move to vegas mm -hmm. and um mm. do you know fergie actually not well no i've talked to him a couple of times online yeah but i must must reach out and say hi yeah you should reach out fellow fellow irishman um yeah you really should he's he moved there a long time ago um and did that he does the whole residency he's like a resident at one of the big clubs there um, yeah he loves it he absolutely loves it yeah you know what's so cool about vegas is i mean apart from nevada being a purple state which is like i don't care about extreme right or extreme left in the middle is where normal people are with totally agree. like sane people you know yeah. what i mean and nevada is completely that like it's it's kind of cowboy it's kind of high roller you know yeah. what i mean but it's the only place where people are building these really futuristic things like i guess you've seen the sphere yeah and then all the super clubs you know all of these crazy art installations and all the stuff that's happening downtown quite near here in the mm. arts district like nowhere else in america is doing that at the moment and putting that kind of crazy money into stuff like there's a lot of interesting things happening in tech here as well now yeah there's tons of people from la moving out because they know in a few years the train is going to be running yeah um that they've been promising and all this <laughs> stuff they're working on to connect LA. And I mean, it's, I've done the drive in three and a half hours. So if I need to be in LA, I can go there. And Vegas is half the price of yeah. LA for like way more, yeah, way more for uh, your money. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I it's, it's been since COVID, I guess it's, you've seen all these cities kind of pop up. Like Austin is a classic example, right? It's like, look where Austin is now. Like mm. Austin's nearly the same price as LA with you just get a bit more yeah. you just get a bit more space but like mm -hmm. denver again another one montana like all these people just yeah. leave, leave in cali because you just get a lot more for your money elsewhere yeah yeah even i've heard of um people moving to really interesting places like idaho and building like small yeah. scenes and stuff there because um, it's just tons of warehouse space lying empty so yeah. they just go there and build these big studios and start parties like mm. boise and idaho you know what i mean like yeah i've heard like i've heard boise Obviously idaho Portland. i've heard boise idaho, mm. idaho has some like an interesting scene kind of growing i've like met a few people and they're just like doing some weird shit up there yeah it's so cool i really like that idea because i mean we, we forget when we live in a big city like LA or New York, we forget how jaded, you know, when I was living in Barcelona for a long time, we'd just be like, oh yeah, it's just, it's just Ricardo again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you forget that that's something really special that you shouldn't just be like, oh yeah, it's just a DJ playing in a club for a hundred people again in any smaller city. That's like a big deal, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's really interesting because you're, you're hundred percent right. Cause LA, New York san francisco maybe not san francisco as much san diego you like and then you got chicago um and maybe austin a little bit now but you, they're like doing three four massive djs a week 
in each city. Mm. Some like if you look at Brooklyn in New York, you look at Brooklyn Mirage, you look at every like what grey area you're doing, you like people are promoters are putting on such massive shows on a weekly basis that you're just kind of mm. like it's hard to comprehend that as a club goer to be like, okay, I have to go out every weekend. Whereas when yeah. you, you build these smaller scenes and it's weird with Vegas now that you're there, but it's really interesting because I feel like you have the tourist scene and then you have the like the the residence scene and it's very different. Cause mm. I, I don't feel like yeah. the residents that live in Vegas go to the big clubs on a regular basis. It's more so let's go downtown, let's go to some like really interesting nights and, and then experience yeah. everything else, which it's definitely different. Vegas is a definitely an interesting scene right now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of one thing that I'm really missing is club culture as opposed to people going out once every two months to some yeah. big event with like, you know, stacked up two big DJs back to back so that ticket sales are fine. Yeah. You know, and like that's something that I'm seeing is club culture like you know, a 300 cap venue with interesting new acts every week, as opposed to just the same big names, you know, one big event each yeah. two months. I'm not sure if that's something that you're noticing, but I kind of miss club culture where you go to a place and you see the same people, you know, you pick up on ideas, yeah. exchange like thoughts and grow a local scene. Yeah. I feel that's such an important thing that's a little bit lost now. Well, I think you're 100% right. I think it's similar going back to what you do with Octopus and what we started out as as artists and DJs. And it was more so about the community rather than the big headline shows. And I think where we're at in a market of we can if you're successful in the music industry or have some sort of a following, you want to grow that and you want to keep building and building and building, which means when you build, you get more and more money. Right. And that's the goal for mm. everybody. However, in these like 300 cap spots, it's really hard to pay these massive DJ fees. Now it's really hard because their value mm. is so high. So you start to mm. like actually lose club culture and what is club culture? Mm. Club culture to me is a community. And it's very, like you have in these like big shows, like let's say for instance, like what Cross does with like Petco Park, where it's just, they just have like one headliner and it they sell, or they, they have like one headliner and then three big artists below, right? That mm. are all headliners in their own right, but just on a smaller scale. And yeah. they sell 10,000 tickets, right? In in those 10,000 tickets, you have a bunch of small communities. However, it's not really like one club community that we that you used to get. Like I remember in Bristol, like growing up, like you'd go to Timbuktu, you, you can guarantee every Saturday night, you'd see the same faces there. And like they'd, you'd yeah. know each other and you'd build friends with the community. And as the DJs is like, you'd, you'd become residents and people would know you and then people would want to like hear you play certain records and that would be like the record of the club for that month or for that summer and things like that. Mm -hmm. You don't really get that anymore. Yeah. Which is really detrimental because that's where all the next big stars come from. 
So do you think though? If you're choking out a scene and limiting it to the 10 big names playing, you know, in each city every three months to be a safe bet for promoters, I think what you're losing is who's going to be the next Chris Lake and Fisher, who's going to be the next like Richie Houghton or, you know, and those people, you need to find them locally. It could be some kid in Boise, Idaho, who's just like super talented, but doesn't have a community to grow in, you know? I think I totally agree with you. I think in counter to that, what I'm seeing, and I'm pretty sure what you're seeing as well, is that the community's not built on actually building a community is built on numbers and is built on yeah on data and i mean that by instagram followers real views tiktok followers tiktok views blah 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 so it then also then goes into that question is like are new artists really concentrating on the music that they're making or the content that they're making because the, it's the content exactly. that actually makes them popular. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it becomes, you know, are you an influencer or are you a musician? Like, are you making memorable tracks or are you making reels all day? Mm. You know, and that's, that's, I think, where the divide is between music for adults and then music for, like, kids going out to big events, you know, and that's, that was a huge part in why we at Octopus like stepped away from the whole Beatport top 10 techno yeah. thing um, because we felt like, okay, these shows, you know, I felt like I was going out and I was playing to a bunch of 20-year-olds holding up their phone. There's nothing wrong with that if that's the kind of show you're going for, like a spectacle, you know, but if you want to play to adults who are like dancing and, you know, exchanging cool ideas and developing, like, as we were talking about a culture, then that's a different type of thing. Like you're not just churning out cookie cutter top 10 techno tracks. That's more about bringing in new ideas and taking like huge chances. Like, for example, stepping away from that could be like career ending for uh, a lot of reasons for all the artists that we work with. But a lot of the people that we're sticking with are making music that's somewhere between indie dance, techno, house, whatever, just literally good music good that music. doesn't really have a genre. So it lands in indie dance, you know, and that's where yeah. interesting labels like Dynamic or Elm fit into mm. to the plan because they're cross genre and they don't distinguish and don't shoot for like big social stats and all the social media stuff. They're just like, these are good tracks that'll stand the test of time. How on a business front of that for running a record label, how does that stand with financials and kind of like actually running a record label that's lucrative? It's, it's, a long-term plan rather than a short-term gain so it's like you've got to go to the ropes for a year or two and take the hits you know and say okay we're going to probably lose some of our fans that we're expecting like the next you know beatport techno top 10 hit from the label because techno changed into something very 
EDM that we don't do. Yeah. So that kind of caught up with us. And all of a sudden we're like, where are we? Like, what, what are these other records that we're being lumped in with yeah. in the future? That's not where we want to be, you know? So we kind of sidestep that. And just for a year or so, I think you've just got to transition and gradually introduce music that takes you into the right category again and get back to your roots you know yeah i really and obviously that's like you're not going to make as much money from label in the first year of doing that because you're going to have all these people who are like okay where's the, the top 10 techno here you know yeah i guess also the question is like how do you, the artist on the label feel about that as well because i think there comes with your label there's there's from an outsider's point of view, right? And obviously I talk to you, so I know what you're doing with the label. But like, mm. I think it's easy to be lumped in as the techno label, right? Because that's what you have mm. been for so many years and what you've done really well as a label. I guess the the question is, is how do you A&R that when you're signing records with artists that still expect you to be that techno label? Well, it was kind of natural actually to to move into doing that because we we just kind of focused on the slightly more experimental and more indie dance side of what we did because yeah. we were always doing that all along yeah, yeah, yeah. but then we'd have these big dance floor hits that are working in techno but now we're making more like hits in indie dance that are are leading us into that that area where it's kind of like the no genre stuff belongs. So A and R in that was not so hard actually because the artists that we wanted to continue working with completely are on board with that. Yeah. And then the artists that were wanting to do more of the like straight, you know, typical techno stuff. Um just continued doing that with, yeah. with other labels as they wanted to. Um, and it wasn't actually like, we didn't have any incidents where people would be like, oh, wow, what the fuck is this? They just, we just talked to everyone about it and said like, this is what we want to do. It's going to take a while for us to, you know, um, to, to figure this out exactly yeah. in terms of like label nights and stuff like that. But with me releasing on Solomon's label and now with Macy Plex's label, like that's kind of part of the plan to to make that tradition like more um, solid, you know, to give us like that basis where we're not only the top 10 techno hits label. You know what I mean? No, I agree. And I think it's really important. And I would get really interested to get your opinion on this is with the other artists on your label, sign into other record labels and sign into what's your thoughts on that? It, if it's the right label, it helps. I mean, we found that we were being the label where, for example, not to name names or name drop, but we caught a lot of artists. Like, for example, Nicole Mudaber's first big hit was with us. Same with Julian Joel and a few few artists like that. You know, we were we were catching a lot of people on the up, and yeah. then at a certain point, we felt like, oh wow, like they're super commercial now. Yeah, like that doesn't really reflect where Octopus wants to be because alongside having those kind of 
hits is a stupid word, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like a, a record that did well on Beatport, let's say those artists were all transitioning through us and we were working with all of those people who ended up on much more commercially savvy labels like yeah. drum code and stuff like that. Uh, we were working with a lot of those people early and then they went on to do bigger, more main room stuff yeah. that doesn't really fit the octopus sound. Yeah. So we were in this weird position where we were having a lot of people, you know, um, come through us and go to other labels, which I thought was amazing for their careers. I, you know, it's not something that I wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to continue making the same sound and records because a lot of that, you know, a lot of genre based music, whether it's trance or drum and bass or progressive or house can sometimes end up sounding quite similar. Yeah, I agree. So with us, we were like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And maybe it's just like a character, flaw with me but i'm always like okay that's cool but like we got to get some new sounds in and and bring some fresh ideas in there is there a ceiling to that yeah do you do you mean like is there a certain point where you say okay this person's like more you know they can go further with another more commercially minded label and i don't mean commercially sounding i think you know, there's a lot of great big techno labels out there. I mean, drum code is is still killing, killing it, killing yeah. it with that sound. Yeah. But when they go to that sound, then it becomes something that's like bigger than us, like more main room than us. You know, because Octopus is always like the weird kid, the the kind of strange um, approach to one foot in the main room, one foot in the back room. No, and I think that's what I mean is like, and I really respect that, but it's for me is like on a, I guess talking business wise, right? Is there a ceiling mm. to where you're at or are you happy with where you're at, where you don't, you're, you don't want to be the drum code? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have the commercial aesthetics to be a big label like that. I think we are always trying to be independent and always trying to be first with bringing yeah. in new ideas and new sounds. I mean, we're not afraid to release a track that has a commercial sounding vocal, as long as it's something that fits in our world, yeah. you know? And I think, yeah, to answer your question, there is a point where you're like, yeah, I mean, of, of course, some of our tracks pop through, um, and do well in in streaming and in in download sales but it's always it's always bringing in enough money to keep the label healthy and and flowing really well and yeah. i think for a long-term play that's safer in my eyes because Agreed. a lot of labels have a two-year period where they're super hyped yeah but then everything starts to sound the same and they go down like it happened with drum and bass have more progressive and yeah. a lot of genres over the years where when you can kind of see it when everything starts to sound very similar and it's super hyped that is like the tipping point mm. usually you know and for us i would rather be a weird you know uh evolving label that's always there and always present over over time yeah releasing interesting music rather than hyped for two years and then 
you got to do something else, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think there's also comes a point where um, you, if you're constantly evolving to a certain extent, you never really get pigeonholed into one thing. And I know you guys were that techno part of it, if you know what I mean. And that's what you were doing mm. really well. But I think if you, mm. by being a bit more forefront, I agree, there's a commerciality to having a sound that there mm. definitely is like let's just name a few of the labels like you know what you're going to get with hot creations right you know what mm -hmm. you're going to get with drum code you know what you're going to get with defected you like there's mm. certain record labels that are extremely successful financially and at growing artists that will always do that and when they find their niche and they find their niche and then they just home in on it but I think mm. there's also needs to be like, mm. there's <clears throat> without sounding like a bit of a dickhead, there's no real like artistry in that sense where I, for me personally, it's my opinion that it's like, you're, you're buying into a sound then. And that sound might be what you absolutely love. And like, we've all got friends on all of those labels that are extremely successful and they, mm. they do their own thing, but I feel like, and I had it with Dirty Bird in my career. Like I, I was buying into a sound to have, mm -hmm. to grow as an artist in that world. And it worked very well for me. Um, mm -hmm. But there comes a point when you start pigeon, pigeoning yourself into a sound and then you can't get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like if someone said to me, oh, who's your favorite DJ, you know, there are always people that are cross genre. Like if you said, okay, what's Solomon's genre? Yeah. You know, he goes from disco to techno in a set. Yeah. Through trance, indie dance, like straight up pop music, yeah. house, everything. He's just a selector, yeah. you know, same thing with Maceoplex, same thing with Tiga or, um, any other artists like that who can cross genres and it's just Tiga's sound. It's yeah. just Solomon's sound or Maceoplex's sound. I feel like that was always my ambition is to be one of those artists who goes from, you know, slower tempo stuff to higher tempo stuff, Yeah. no matter what the genre. And if you are on, you know, if you're on a massive progressive house or, you know, German bass label over yeah. the years and you're known for a sound. If you show up to one of your shows and try and dive, you know, divert from that or add some variation into your set, people are like, what is this? Yeah. I paid for techno, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's hard as well because also you're fighting against the promoters and you're fighting against the press and you're fighting against all of that of like people putting you in that box which is totally yeah. understandable. You have to be put in a box to sell you to a certain extent. There has to be a level of oh. like box fitting to sell you in any way, like in anything yeah. we do, right? Like even yeah. clothing, you have to be put in somewhere. Um, totally. But there also comes a point where it's like, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, that is what people expect every time. Yeah. And there's, there's a time limit on that. You know, there's, there's a problem where when that sound isn't trendy yeah 
anymore, then that's like an issue because you're you're on that ship that's going down, you know. And that's, I mean, uh, who am I to comment on whatever anyone's career choices in whatever genre? But I feel like with any genre of music, I always see that that there's this moment where something's super hyped, but yeah. then everyone associated with that is kind of stuck with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess classic example is the EDM days, right? Yep. And yep. there was a moment. And the thing is, I, I always find, though, the people at the top of their game in that genre survive. They always always come out well to a certain extent. Let's say... By, by starting to play techno. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> let's say, for instance, like, what's the guy's name that cakes people? Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki, yeah. Like, still doing very fucking well right came out of the yeah. electro house edm days still doing really well like techno mm. t tiktok techno has become edm in the grand scheme of things it's not necessarily edm's become techno it's the other way around mm. and i think mm. with like will sparks and and this is no disrespect but with what will sparks is doing what what um what hardware were doing and what those those guys that were like huge in the edm scene mm -hmm. now it because there's actually like no correlation between what the edm sound is and what techno is now the like mm. lines are being blurred to us yeah. also to a certain extent of like the level of show business like the afterlife guys and this is i'm not talking mm. shit like i'm just genuinely being real like if you're yeah. selling twenty thousand tickets to like there's a level of expectation of what you have to give them mm -hmm. um and it turns into mm -hmm. edm like w however that gets packaged and i it's not a bad thing it's it's a fucking great thing at the end of the day all these people mm -hmm. are earning an absolute fortune and doing what they love which is great but mm -hmm. i think it's just go it's fashions of how things are boxed in to be sold and techno yeah. techno is that thing to be boxed in now and being a techno artist sells tickets so everyone's a techno artist no matter what mm. they play they're not necessarily playing techno yeah yeah it's really interesting and i mean speaking i mean the guys tale of us have had such a long journey to get where of they course. are now yeah. like you know i'm sure everyone knows the backstory of how long they've been doing this and how long that Carmine was in, you know, working in the industry for yeah. other people and, you know, being behind the scenes and all that stuff. But at this point, they've hit on something that's so commercially viable. It's like the evil genius, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, um, so packaged yeah. and easily identifiable and so focused on social media that you know it's it's really interesting what they've done and techno has become an a force in edm like yeah. in terms of business so it's weird it's that, really strange that itself is a trend and it all looks very very you know like genre specific yeah yeah was, i was just in ibiza a couple of days ago um and watched the holo show the eric bridge show and it was amazing. You're just like, this is unbelievable. But mm. there's also a level of it where I'm like, how many of these people are here to listen to the music and be part of the music mm. or be part of the, the show? 
the like yeah. spectacle of the the visuals rather than actually yeah. like being interested in the music yeah it's interesting a, a guy the other day i was introduced to some people and they were like oh you're that dj whatever he's like you know we're going to this this show in in a few weeks it's I don't know if you've seen it. It's these guys. They have these like humanoid things and they like touch and then there's all these explosions and this like, you know, people melting and turning into flowers and whatever. And I'm like, uh, you mean afterlife? And he goes, yeah, I think that's what it's called. It's like two guys. I think they're DJs. And I was like, so you're going to see like a visual show? Is it like Cirque du Soleil or yeah, something? Yeah. You know, it's like... It turned out he was talking about Tale of Us, Afterlife, and Anima. And it was weird that the first thing he spoke about was the spectacular yeah. show, as opposed to, I'm going to hear some DJs tear it up. You know? Which is, it, it's kind of interesting because, like, I don't want to, I'm not hating on it and I'm not mm. also loving it because it's two separate things. It's too, like, mm. from what we started talking about at the beginning of this conversation, where it's, like, building club culture back and, like, but, like, then you look at that side of things and you're, like, well, there you're, you're appealing to so many more people that don't even care about the music. This isn't about the music. Mm. This is about almost, like, let's say, for instance, like, Meow Wolf. Like, how is Meow Wolf and, like, Other World, like, all these, like, interactive art spaces changed the art world where mm. it's like people that are into art go to art galleries right but like yeah. not everybody is into art galleries so what yeah. how do we create how do we create something that we can sell way more tickets to and it's still art and it's like mm. okay well let's create an interactive art space and let's create a story yeah. in that interactive art space where people can get involved and like people can walk around and take pictures and do all of that. Like, yeah, that's the difference really is like, totally. and, and I think what a lot of these things are doing. And, and I think it, it's also the case of because they've got so big, but not just them, but like a lot of, a lot of acts like this have got this big where it's, they ha actually have to give something else than just mm. music. Because let's, like, I don't care what other, like, musically, it doesn't really evolve. It stays very linear and it's very similar mm. to, like, every release that they do. You know what you're going to get. They, they, they mm. market it and package it so perfectly. But, like... Mm. So when, when you're doing that, you almost have to give them something extra because they have to be part of... It has to be a bigger show because more people are coming and you have to appeal to more people. Yeah, and I think you and I talked about this at one point. DJs are not the most exciting thing to watch on a, on a stage from a big audience. No. Like, if you're watching a band and you're watching someone throw down on the drums and, like, thrash on a guitar and whatever, like the visual of a band on stage performing with instruments is much different to someone behind, you know, some spec on a stage yeah. bobbing their head with some yeah. like LED wall, you know? And I think at that scale, you know, what the guys, the afterlife guys have achieved is bringing something into the like performance arena yeah. that 
is more than a DJ show or it's like an audio visual like uh spectacular you know i agree which is really in, it goes on to like what fred again's doing where he's kind mm -hmm. of doing a mixture of both where mm -hmm. he when uh, not when he's djing but when he's doing his live show it's like a mixture of band and visual which yeah. is like again takes you out of the club it takes you out of that kind of small club culture situation but then mm. puts you into festivals and arenas yeah. and things like that and yeah but you have more to watch because he's talking on the microphone he's interacting with instruments he's doing all that. and obviously there's been like countless amounts of dance acts that have done similar but that's where he's kind of like because yeah. I, I feel like let's say for instance justice right justice mm -hmm. absolutely insane dance act mm -hmm. but then they never really spoke on the microphone. They never really like yeah. interacted with the crowd. It was like, you're just getting fucking amazing music just slamming in your face, right? Yeah. With yeah. these this amazing stage built around them and everything like that. There wasn't really many visuals as well, if I remember rightly. I can't really remember. No, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I was talking about earlier. And I know we always idolize the Chemical Brothers, but yeah. Chemical Brothers at Coachella was a testament this year to how the music should drive the show. Yeah. Their visuals are incredible. Like they do, you know, very interesting, unique, arty, experimental stuff. But it's mixed in the way that the music is obviously the key part. Yeah. And the visual is like complementary to that. Mm. And that's what I really love about acts like Justice and the Chemical Brothers, as opposed to, you know, the Fred again thing. I've seen him live and it felt kind of like a variety show. Yeah. Like he'll, you know, get on the phone with people, have these other people talking. Like the whole thing didn't feel as powerful as yeah. just losing yourself in like a two hour Chemical Brothers or Underworld or Justice yeah. set. You know? Yeah, I agree. I think also with let's let's compare them both and who are we to compare them both? But realistically, like Fred is a very personable human being from an outs from a fan's point of view, right? Like you see him on yeah. the social medias talking very openly, like yeah. you see a lot into his personal life or what he wants to show you. Go yeah, to like it's it's your friend, like social media access. Yeah. Whereas, that generation whereas yeah. you look at the chemical and also like the music that he's releasing of like it's very communicative it's very like bringing people together it's very much that whereas yeah. you look at the chemical brothers and it's just strict business <laughs> like it's strict like Straight this, up. this is what you're getting you're yeah. getting amazing visuals you're getting amazing yeah. music videos and you're getting fucking yeah. mind-blowing music yeah you're gonna sweat yeah it's two different it's two different products isn't it but totally, done totally, both yeah. very well. It, like even with the tale of us and what and what Eric Prince is doing, all very different to the three. Like there's three products there that are all very mm. different. Um, because you could like for me personally, I could listen to a Chemical Brothers set live and be absolutely amazed without even watching the visuals. Yeah, totally. I think that's the difference. Totally. For me, is the music is yeah. just unbelievable. And also, I mean, let's keep in mind that we're talking about dance music and the original concept of this is like the energy level, yeah. you know, and 
taking people on a journey and all those cliches mm. and that i mean who is comparatively doing that sort of energy level performance you know when you look at justice and chemical brothers are still active but for new blood and for new ideas and you know upcoming artists are there many people that have that kind of insane energy level i mean when you look at a show for example if it's just fred again on his own um it's very mellow like yeah. it's it's kind of just like a variety talk show kind of thing with some music whereas you see him with skrillex who's bringing that other side of the energy then it's like a rave yeah you know yeah. what i mean yeah and i feel like that sort of energy level is what i'm getting at like i, I miss that in dance music I think th I think it also goes back to that DJ culture and the like the TikTok culture that we're kind of going through right now is like mm. it's very easy nowadays to put and I I feel like a broken record on this podcast saying this and I I'm sure you used to talk about this to your mates all the time as well and I know we've spoke about it but it's like it's very easy to have a small amount of success by finding a Britney Spears sample and putting a massive techno kick drum over it. It's so, yep. so I think like that, that's the difference is like people want success to be, people want to be famous. It's not about being, making the best possible music. It's just about being famous. And I think yeah. that's the issue in this, in, in the DJ world right now. Mm. Yeah. And I mean that, comes from a culture growing up looking to influencers rather than looking to artists and that's that bothers me i gotta say yeah. like when you talk to a kid and you say like okay what do you want to be you know like a guitarist or you want to be a you know policeman or an ambulance driver or an astronaut whatever and they say i want to be famous i want to be an influence and you're like famous for what and they're like i don't care i just want to be like, I want to have loads of followers. Yeah. And you're just like, well, what's your ambition? Like, what are you trying to do with your life? Like, well, what's the fucking point of existing if you're not trying to achieve something? Like, success, okay, there's a cheap way to get there. You know, you just do a record that sounds like all the other big records out yeah. there. You know? But to actually have some purpose in your, your mission that gives your whole existence meaning to me. So I'm just going to open the door, but keep talking. Um, but just cause yeah, it's fucking hot in the studio right now. England is hot for once. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> wow. Jesus, that could be a, a first. I know, right? So, um, yeah, I agree. Speaking of hot. Yeah. Speaking of hot, you know, Death Valley was 132. <laughs> yeah. 132 Fahrenheit. That is it's so a, like, hot. A record. So fucked. I don't know. I went out. Um, I was in. I was in Phoenix a few weeks ago. I went down to the store in the middle of the day. My sneakers were melting on the tarm on the pavement. Are you serious? It's that hot in Vegas now as well. So like, if you if you go outside and you put your like um your sneaker down on the hot part of the pavement that's been in the sun for a few hours, it literally melts your soul. Like, it's that hot. Fuck that, man. <laughs> Fuck that. 
I yeah, like you go outside and he's just like soaked. You don't like sweating. the heat as well. Sorry, you're not a fan of the heat as well, are you? No, I actually actually like it. Yeah, I hate the cold. Oh, I really? I probably um, was whining about that when we hung out before. <laughs> I hate cold. Like I'll take heat over cold any day. I'm the opposite. I love cold weather. That's crazy. I can't wait for the winter, man. I thrive in the win- I thrive in the winter. So so oh, strange. Weird. I don't know why. Like today's yeah. beautiful. Today's like twenty four degrees in the UK, which is eighties. Nice. Is that eighties mm. or is that seventies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice, but <clears throat> I don't know. It's the world is getting hotter. <laughs> Climate change is real right now. Yeah, man. Definitely. It was in the it was in the fifties here recently, just like consistent, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's mad. I wanna go back to that artistry thing though. Yep. Um how do you generate how do you create like artists not not like fame? chasers and i don't mean that in a disrespectful way to people because i think realistically it's just a different time right we're just growing up the way we grew up djing and producing was like the geekiest thing ever and it wasn't Mm. cool to be a dj and it wasn't cool to be a producer and it's only got cool realistically in the last like five years where like because and realistically i think what happens is it's actually still not cool but you only get shown the cool parts of being a DJ and being a producer on social media. You only get shown the like mm-hmm. the private jets, the playing in front of thousands of people. They don't talk about the countless days behind a sh- in a studio, the, the 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 rejection from every fucking record label, the the mm-hmm. like rejection from every promoter, the rejection from every agent. They d- they don't show any of that. No one talks about yeah. a- any of that struggle. Um, and also just how to pay your rent at the beginning of your fucking career when, Mm -hmm. when you're trying to become a producer and trying to become a DJ. Um, Mm -hmm. but how do you kind of create that? Because I think that when bands like Daft Punk, Chemical Brothers, Justice, when even like Blaze and stuff like that, like when they came out, it was just a different time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and also keep in mind that they had CD sales when they started. So you could get some money from a record company because they would make it back on physical product. Whereas now you can have every song in the world for $9.99 a month. So the artists get fuck all from that. Uh, Excuse my language, but um, I think that directly correlates to the genre you're in right mm. so if you're in techno at the moment you're either the underground like warehouse 6 a.m yeah type artist or you're the tiktok techno edm techno person who's chasing the shows with those big labels who will plot out a stage for a festival promoter right yeah so if you think if you want to be that then your your day is going to be doing social media stuff right yeah. you're going to be thinking about reels and TikTok stuff and all that shit. Whereas if you're in a different genre, like if you're releasing on a, let's say an indie dance or an electro label or something, 
you're going to be making music yeah. and you're probably going to be doing a lot of smaller shows yeah but they're going to be way more quality yeah. in terms of the people you're playing to are going to be music fans yeah. they're not standing in front of you waving their phone and can't remember what your name is yeah you know um and i think that's something that people need to decide earlier on if i was going to give i mean advice is is worthless <laughs> a lot of the time but i feel with new artists they should decide that like where do i fit like am i this this like more commercial techno person yeah. or am i the more alternative end of techno like more indie dance leaning and that you know is where everything from deep house to electro to techno lives that doesn't fit in the other boxes for yeah. for um festival you know like the specific commercial festival sound i think it's so also really, someone, yeah i think it's also really hard isn't it because i think the going the like more artistry route like what you're saying the indie dance like the chems vibe right if you were going to go mm. i'm just using the chemical brothers for example because we've been talking about them but like mm. if you're going to go down that route it takes a very long time to get to that level mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of hard work of writing the right records to get to that level mm -hmm. whereas to be the TikTok techno person, it can mm. happen very fucking quickly because you're you're going mm -hmm. for that viral moment, right? Whereas yeah. with when you're actually making albums or you're making EPs or you're making records that like probably most DJs aren't gonna play, but you're trying to find fans that listen to them. Let's say for instance Rufus the Soul on the more commercial yeah. side of things, right? Like mm. they've been doing it for years. I think their first mm. album was like 2014 mm. and you're like, okay, they've, it's now, it's nearly 10 years and now they've got to the point of where they're playing stadiums. However, they weren't mm. playing stadiums for, for, they've only been playing stadiums the last four years. Yep. But it's like, are you really, I guess the question is, is what do you want out of this industry? Do you want longevity or do you want something that's going to last, give you five minutes yeah. of fame? earn a bunch of cash and then get the fuck out of here because you can't you can't get away from it yeah and you know easy come easy go if you're gonna get famous for one track really quick that's probably a trend based thing and that's probably not going to be around in three or five years but if you look at the artists that did build huge careers in indie dance like you know the salmons or the maceoplexes or the miss kittens or yeah. whoever they're going to be around forever and yeah. they've had very very fruitful careers from making music that's true to their taste yeah as opposed to okay this is hot i'm going to make a track like this I agree. and this is going to sell and i'm going to like you know a lot of young artists that are coming up in commercial techno their managers are literally reinvesting their first year of fees or two years of fees into social media yeah they're not doing a lot of intelligent things with that i don't feel because that's kind of like a cash grab yeah for management and artists are coming out of it thinking okay i'm super big on instagram but as we all know instagram influencers aren't successful financially they just get a lot of free shit and they get a lot of shows and whatever but especially in music doing like 
big paydays because all of that money is being put into inflating the social media machine yeah. you know especially in music i feel like it that i feel it's weird because there's 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 people that are influencers that are outside of music that can earn a very big fortune from their mm. following yeah gaming and stuff, gaming yeah. food like clothes whatever it is like there's tech but for some reason in the music world like it you're not paid to use your following which is really interesting and i think yeah there's like a part of me there's a level of like okay yes you should be promoting your stuff because it's your music right but then there's also that argument, okay, let's say, for instance, a record label or a promoter, like no one's getting paid to post about their shows. Yes, you're mm. getting paid to play the show, but like mm. realistically, as the it's, a, it's an interesting concept because I, I think there's arguments against both, right? So like, let's say, for instance, a record label, if you had a million followers, the record label signing you because you your followers, you, you have a lot of followers, right? But mm. there's realistically sign you for your music so then should they be also paying you to use your platform to promote your music or mm, are, yeah. or is that part of the deal likewise with promoters like are promoters mm. paying the like why aren't promoters going okay in this deal so you have let's just say for, you have a thousand dollar deal okay mm. and we're going to give you an extra thousand dollars to post five times about the show. Mm. Like, because at this point, artists are bigger than promoters in a lot of sense. Artists yeah. are bigger than a lot of record labels. Record labels don't have the culture. They, they don't. Spotify doesn't allow them to have the culture on these platforms where you're like, oh, mm. it's another whatever, like it's another Dirty Bird record or it's another Hot Creations record. It's like, mm. or a major record label. They don't have the power behind the culture. Yeah. I, I yeah. wonder if it's ever going to go that way. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see more tech companies working with music artists at an underground all Same. the way up to the top level um, to try and coordinate them using their followers more Same. because like, Sometimes you're like, really, we're we're like paying for ads on social media, and yeah. we've been gathering all these followers. You know, yeah. um, I think yeah, you're right. Definitely, promoters could monetize that a little smarter. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's weird. It's it's a catch twenty two, and I know there's an argument against it because yeah. it's like, well, you need to sell shows again. I mean, musicians get in the crap end of the stick again. Always, always. What do you think that is? It's just that artists, I feel, I've thought about this a lot, and I feel I have this theory. Artists are usually nice people, right? Yeah. And they want to do their thing, which is make music and perform music. Yeah. And if someone comes along and says, hey, you want to do this show? They're like, yes, straight away. They don't think like a tech or a gamer person where they say, how much are you going to pay me? Yeah. Artists don't have that in them a lot of the time. That's why we need managers Yeah, to be like, Hey, wait, listen, you've got something they want it. Don't just give it to them. Yeah. Don't just say, yeah, you know, here, take these records as pretty much as promotion because royalties are so low and, you know, streaming numbers are, are 
so janky and yeah. hard to to account for. I think it's yeah, it's difficult. Artist personalities are not they're not their best manager. No. Yeah, it's it's weird. Not their own best manager. It's really weird, but it's also the music industry fucks the artist purposely. Like we all went to Spotify to put our music out, yet they screw every single artist. Not just dance records, mm. not just dance artists, every artist because mm. of that's the that's how it's weird. I, yeah. I it, it's something I heard an analogy ages ago about it, and it's like going into an art gallery and there's a Picasso on the wall and being able to pick it up and put it in your bedroom for free. Yeah. And that is what yeah. that is what the streaming platforms are doing. And, like, I know there's streaming platforms mm. that pay, pay better than Spotify, like, but they're all just as bad as each other in a certain a certain sense where, like... Yeah. To generate... It's devalued. Yeah, to generate any finance, realistically. Like, let's say, for instance, a million streams on Spotify generates $3,500. And then let's mm. say, for instance, you're then in a 50-50 deal, which is a kind of a standard independent deal nowadays, 50-50 mm. deal. So, and then the labels put $1,000 behind promo. Let's just say promo, artwork, everything like that is $1,000. Mm. Out of that, you then have to recoup that. So that's 2,500. And then that 2,500, you get 20% taken out of from the distributor and then the label takes 50% of that mm. and then the rest of that your manager takes 20% out of that and maybe a business manager it takes 5% out of that mm. so realistically out of a million streams you're probably generating a grand mm. at the beginning yeah your first million streams. Yeah. You know, it's mind blowing. I've talked to a few guys in Germany who were running labels like, you know, underground techno labels in the late nineties. Yeah. And they were selling vinyl. They were telling me that they were getting quarterly checks for 250,000 um, equivalent US Yeah, every year. And that's for about like 10 years. So like they were running you know, well-known enough, but underground labels, yeah. like they weren't having, you know, they weren't like having these huge, like jam and spoon type dance yeah, hits yeah. that would cross over into the charts. They were doing like cool underground records that you would know of, but they weren't, you know, they, they were big in Germany and stuff, but they were getting 250,000 approximately US each quarter yeah. minimum for like a 10 year period. Mm. And they're all driving like, crazy cars and using that money to reinvest in artists and starting their own festivals and all this stuff. And like, those were labels that were nowhere near as big as like records you've had yeah. or, or we've had on octopus, um, equivalent. Like if you say, for example, you know, number one or number two or whatever on B port would have been a huge deal if you're selling vinyl and yeah. CDs. So, I mean, it goes without saying it's just a different era. Yeah, different. But without era. physical products, the artist is further screwed. Mm. And then it goes back to merch. Then it's like, how yeah. do you create a foundation as an artist to sell merch? 
And how do you create a label that has a community around it that wants to buy merch? Because that's the only physical you can do. And occasionally the odd vinyl mm. or something like that. Yeah. Like I know all yeah. we have is now we do one vinyl a year. And then mm. this year we're starting to do merch now, like on a re like a mm. monthly basis. Mm. But it's like there has to be something to generate that money to be able to invest into the artist on the label. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like even, you know, bigger bands or uh, electronic artists are all facing the same problem. Like yeah. what, you know, your shows are your only source of income really because streaming is like unpredictable and small amounts. So mm -hmm. it's becoming really weird like that. Like, you know, imagine we developed a system, a blockchain system where you were actually fairly paid per yeah. play that would bring like a whole new generation of, of music into play. Well, I think, yeah, I think a, that's I, a whole other debate, right? Yeah. But I also like the idea, <clears throat> I know you've got a bounce in five minutes, but I also like the idea of like artists taking on their own kind of platforms and creating their own communities and almost like taking that middleman out and having the like, patreon the only fans whatever that is yeah like to be able to promote that and get people to subscribe and grow something where people are involved and also those are your super fans obviously you can't mm. do that on a mass scale or you can but like what is a mass scale in the, it depends on the artist size but mm -hmm. imagine you had two thousand people paying ten dollars a month to because mm. they loved your music that much that they wanted to be fully involved i feel like there's yeah. like a level of like okay you can survive as an artist with that much money coming in totally and like you yeah. can you can do interesting things for your art for, for your fans and for that but i still think there's not really a platform that that packages music up in a way that that is done can be done yeah yeah it's always yeah. subscribed to the website. It's always subscribed. Yeah. It's not ever subscribed to the artist. It's follow the artist, but pay us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's because every song in the world is available for nine ninety nine, or actually nothing if you're choosing like a free model of Spotify, which is disturbingly high number of people don't even pay for Spotify. Which is also you really know. disturbing to me is that a podcast is allowed to put ads on their podcast, right? Mm. Like, and on their Spotify page, a podcast mm. can do that if mm. you're big enough. Whereas as artists, you can't put an ad at the beginning of your song. Mm. Imagine yeah. you could. Imagine you yeah. could. Imagine we could put an ad at the beginning of every single one of our songs. And mm. let's say for instance, like my biggest record's done 12 million. Like that mm. does, that's way more than what any, some, most podcasts do. Like, let's say yeah. Joe Rogan does an average of like 5 million downloads. Mm. Like imagine what 12, what you could generate from 12 million. Exactly. You're talking like yeah. 50, 50 to a hundred grand a fucking record. I know. Yeah. 
that's yeah, exactly. that's the thing for me or even at the end of it you know just running out at the end of it. but that's what you know that's the freemium models that are just broken at the moment you know but that's I mean, the thing the way that this during in- the pandemic we we did really well from twitch because we had a an ad share on revenue yeah. you know yeah I, th- I think something's something's got to change something's got to change not too sure what mm. that is because realistically let's be honest as shows go on inflation's gone up it costs it costs everyone more to do shows it costs mm. artists more to get to the shows which and our fees aren't the fees aren't necessarily going up everything else is going yeah. up but fees aren't necessarily going up um, yeah and less people are going out exactly so, so you're just like catch 22 it's interesting mm. man it's interesting um, I know yeah. you need to bounce. I feel like we could carry on for another four hours. Yeah, man. We've got a lot Easily. more to talk about. Easily. Um, so we'll have to do this one again. Totally, um, man. Anytime. But it's a pleasure talking to you as always. Thanks for coming on and let people thanks know how they can get involved with the label, how they can hear your music, how they can do all of that. Yeah, man. Great. Um, we'll do. And big love, man. Hopefully, I'm yeah, coming likewise. to Vegas soon. Hopefully, so, I'll see you soon. Yeah, I'm coming to Vegas soon. So I'll let you Great. know. Great. What I'll, day? Yeah, I'll, keep I'll let you know the dates. I'll let you know the dates off. But yeah, um, keep safe. Keep doing your thing. Cool, man. man. I'll Love see it. you soon. All right. Peace. Good stuff. Thanks, Cheers, man. man. Bye. And that's a wrap. Big love to Sian for coming on. Thank you for everybody listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to get involved in the community. Share the podcast if you loved it. Keep safe. See you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.